0: Well, praise the Lord! Thank God. You know, uh, I uh, Clay County has already made uh, changed some orders, and my expectation is that probably Jackson County and Kansas City will as well uh, this week. Probably uh, announce something tomorrow or this week. My expectation is that CDC is going to say, "Well, y'all don't have to wear masks outside anymore." Well, praise the Lord for that. That'll be great. (laughs) Because what we have learned just this last week is that they're going to have red, white, and blue springs this year. So red, white, and blue springs <laughs> is when they shoot off blue springs fireworks exactly across the street from us. And that makes it an obvious outreach opportunity. Now, we had already reserved Baumgartner Park for ourselves for a picnic 4th of July, Sunday, because Sunday, 4th of July is on Sunday this year. And uh, now we'll just kind of roll that into what what we might be able to do that evening with uh, Red, White, and Blue Springs and take advantage of things there. So we'll be thinking about those things going forward. And, you know, I expect, uh, my expectation is that Jackson County will probably follow Clay County maybe in saying that uh, spatial distancing is not necessary as long as people, you know, are wearing masks, but probably they're still going to say you need to keep masks up until we get, you know, a few more people vaccinated and things like that. So um, that that will be good for us because as people start coming back, then, we, you know, we start getting more and more people on a Sunday. But we do have, I think, close to 300 chairs in here. I think it's close to 300 chairs, so between two services and not having to spatially distance that, you know, we'll praise the Lord for that. All of that's good, and then the first lady and I will leave early tomorrow morning for Hawaii. And uh, praise the Lord, this is an act of your generosity, because somebody calculated and figured up that this is my 40th anniversary preaching. So my 40th anniversary preaching year, and so you gave us that trip. And not only did you do that, but it comes with a couple of extra weeks of vacation all tagged onto it so that I can get my doctoral dissertation written. And I praise the Lord for that because literally I would never have finished my doctoral dissertation. Unless I got something like that, because it's going to take at least two weeks away just concentrating and working on that. Because I don't know about the people you call, doctor, but in the case of my degree, it's not going to be uh, off the rack. It is tailor. It's a tailored suit. and I ain't buying this one off the rack. So it's a legit degree. And so it just takes that kind of work. And so I praise the Lord for being able to do that. Both things are complicated. Getting to Hawaii is complicated, apparently I can get an, a negative uh, test, but I can't get it uploaded to their website by the test provider for whatever reason. So that's complicated. Once we get there, we've got to test again to go from island to island. That's complicated. Um, you know, the, uh, the, uh, dissertation, because the way I'm doing it, that's going to be complicated. So we'll appreciate your prayers. The guys are going to have it covered, uh, for, for me in my absence and they'll, they'll have it. And I know you're going to support, uh, them and, uh, and continue to look forward to what we can do this summer as things open up. So go ahead and stand one more time. Let's have a word of prayers. We get into Romans chapter five together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this Sunday. I thank you for this moment in this particular passage because, Lord, it is just exactly what we need. It's exactly what we need. As I watch the numbers, as I see the numbers on a daily basis, and as we had been climbing toward a toward a new surge, and I could watch these two day these two week moving averages move up every day, eighteen percent, eighteen percent, eighteen percent, and then this last week to see it go down as only only eight percent up and then it's only four percent up and then it's kind of level and and flat and now it's eight percent lower uh lord i thank you i i thank you because i think we just made it in time for vaccines to be able to overtake a new surge that might have been coming and lord that is for no other reason than to offer us the opportunity to continue to reach out to people who have suffered during this time, and those who don't know you as Savior. So Lord, help us think along those lines as we approach this passage this morning. We ask it in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. If you have your Bible with you, turn to the book of Romans, chapter 5. I don't know if you've ever been challenged with this particular question, but I have had people ask me, if a loving, righteous God knows everything, and has nothing outside of his control, then why is there so much suffering and death on this planet? And I think if you were honest, you would admit that we have all been haunted by that question. Every time we see a mass shooting, we blame the gun, and then we blame God. And every time we see a natural disaster, we blame climate change, and then we blame God. And when we have a pandemic, we apparently blame the Chinese and then we blame God. And we don't blame the people, we don't blame the human heart. We blame the system and then we blame God. So terrorist bombings, children with terminal cancer, war breaking out. I mean, we are bombarded daily with things which seem to challenge our faith in a righteous, loving God. So where does this injustice, suffering, and death come from? Why does it happen all the time? Paul is going to give us the answer here in Romans 5. He is also going to describe a way of deliverance, a way to live above the crises of your life. And the key to understanding how to live as an overcomer is the the phrase here in this chapter one man meaning one human and we see this phrase 12 times in six verses and Paul is arguing there are only two original human beings in the whole universe Adam and Christ and everyone else is tied into one of those two men Either you are in Adam by birth, by physical birth, or you are in Christ by new birth, being born again. And so the theme of Paul's epistles is in Christ. Because you can only be in one of the two of these men. Either you are still seminally in Adam or you are spiritually in Christ. And these are the words that unlock the door to understand how to be superhuman in the superman. So let's pick pick up right where we left off last time. Watch, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man... The first human being, whoever was created, was Adam. And so he represents all of humanity. And this is our thesis for today's study. Since Adam was the first human, then when he sinned, his fallen nature was passed on to us because everything reproduces after its own kind. So how many Lucy the ape woman? uh, I cannot say. How many hominids is anybody's guess? Neanderthal man, I don't know about. But Adam was the first human. And I see you're not feeling me and Adam like I need you to. So let me give you an experiential explanation of humanity's situation. Here are three facts that will help you understand where God is coming from in all this. Because this is the tribe you are from. This is the ancestry in your DNA. This is the gang that you are part of. First off, notice if you will, and this is number one, when Adam fell, we all crashed. Every family tree goes back to this one central stump. And if Adam had died without meeting Eve and having kids, none of us would be here today. So we were all in Adam's genes when he sinned in the garden, and we all have received his fallen DNA. I mean, he was the mainframe, we're just the terminals. He was the server, and we are all logged in. So when Adam was condemned, we were condemned with him. Adam died spiritually the day that that he rebelled and disobeyed God because God told him, the day you sin, you will die. Spiritually, he died that day. So we were born dead spiritually and separated from God. Now let me illustrate this irrefutable idea. Let's say you've never seen a train before, never seen a train in your life. And so I'm gonna take you out and show you a train. And I actually take you to somewhere and show you a train graveyard or a train wreck. And you see all this mangled steel and the smoke and and the steam and twisted cars laying in every which direction. Now, did I just show you a train for the first time? No, I showed you a train wreck. Now, take me for example. Am I a man? No, I am a wreck. Well, I don't know about you, but I'll just admit it. You are not seeing me the way God created me to be. You are seeing me in Adam's crashed image and likeness minus the Christ-likeness that comes progressively after you are born again. But I inherited his propensity to sin. I inherited his separation from God. I inherited his condemnation and judgment. I inherited his spirit of rebellion. And I inherited his death. And we are all tadpoles in the same polluted gene pool. And if you do not believe that we are all born with a sin nature, it is because you have not volunteered to work in our nursery yet. (laughs) And I'm not talking about your kids, I'm talking about the person next to you. But you you say, "But, but Alan, why do I have to be held hostage by what Adam did? Well, you're asking good questions this morning, so notice on the other hand, and this is number two, in Christ we can be restored to original factory condition. Verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, one man, Adam, many be dead, much more the grace of God, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. If God had tested you individually and put you in your own garden in a state of innocence, the result would have been the same. I mean, you would have been no better in an innocent state than Adam was, only you would have done it a couple of weeks earlier because I know you. And God is willing to condemn the whole human race in one man so that he would be allowed To save the whole human race in one other. So God countered the activity of Adam by the actions of Jesus Christ. Each of us is racially united in Adam. One match can set a whole forest on fire. And you may say, well, that's not fair to all the other trees that they all got to burn because of one match. But the potency of the one match spreads like wildfire, and that is how sin is. It was only one sin, but the flame engulfed the forest of humanity. You know, that really is a blessing. If you'll stop and consider this, angels cannot be saved. And they cannot be saved because they are direct, special creations of God, every single one of them. They're not a race like humans. They do not procreate. Angel does not beget angel, begets angel. They sinned individually, so they are judged individually, but with no opportunity of redemption. And yet, and this is our first point for study, just like you and I were lost in Adam, we can now be saved in Jesus Christ. If you've been born again by trusting Jesus for eternal life, then God, upon, upon you trusting Jesus, God puts you in Christ the second man. And therefore, when he died for sin, if he now puts you in him, then you died in him. And when he rose again, it enabled you to be alive by his life. Watch 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 and 22 on your handout. For since by man, one man, Adam, came death. By man... One man, Jesus, came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So third, third in the final analysis, this is number three. There are only two races of people in the world. The fallen race of Adam and the redeemed race in Jesus. And that is why Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And that is why there is no room for racism in the church, because all who are lost are only of one race. That comes down through Adam. And all of us who are saved are in one family. In, in one new redeemed race, one body, one blood, and one brotherhood. Look, look at Paul explain it to you in Galatians 5 verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now he's not talking about the physical baptism in water that we do, which we will also do next Sunday, by the way if you want to get baptized and, and you've been saved and you want to get baptized, but he's talking about that spiritual baptism that Paul also refers to in 1 Corinthians 12. And it says, okay, when you got saved, you were baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ. That means you have put on Christ and there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female for you all one in Christ Jesus. Now that's... That's a biblical view of gender right there. You find your primary identity not in your ancestors, but in your ultimate ancestor, either Adam on the one hand, or the last Adam, Jesus. So if your ultimate ancestor is still Adam, then you are going to live Adam's kind of life. And... That means there are six controlling conditions of the damned Adamic life. First, the Adamic life is a life of sin. Watch, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world. Now notice it does not say that it originated with Adam, but it entered humanity through Adam. Sin originated with Lucifer and the angelic beings who followed him in his rebellion. The Luciferic life is pride. We see that from the origin stories of this in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. The Luciferic life is ascending yourself to the position of God. And God placed Adam in the garden to invade Satan's territory. And then by Adam exercising dominion, From the devil's rebel base, he would be able to take back the cosmos for God's kingdom. But along came the devil, and he spread the same Luciferic conspiracy to Adam and Eve. And he persuaded them in the very same way that they could be like gods if they just disobey the God who made them. Now, what has that condemned us to? You know, I read a book recently called Subliminal, and that book makes certain assertions about what it calls your subconscious unconscious mind. And the problem is, when you actually get down to it, neuroscience has not uncovered a subconscious mind, but what they have uncovered is our human sin nature. And because we don't want to admit it as that, well, we call it our subconscious And what humanity still will not admit is that we have a conscious free will to be able to choose Christ. And that is why, and this is our second point for study, the Bible ignores the idea of a subconscious mind because it does not exist. Let me put it this way, even if you thought it did, you can still overrule it with your conscious decisions and choices. Uh, But I will have to say this biblically, it does not exist. But it talks repeatedly about the propensity that we all have to sin, which was inherited from Adam. And when you deliberately refuse to come to Jesus for salvation, you are consciously choosing to remain in Adam's family. You are confirming your participation in Adam's fall. You are reimagining yourself to align yourself with Lucifer against the God who created you. So abandon your rebellion and, and, and like verse 1 says, look at verse 1. Come to being justified by faith, where we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. These are the conditions controlling your life. Second letter B, the Adamic life is a life of suffering. Verse 12, and death entered the world by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The cosmos is driven by death ever since the catastrophe of Lucifer's fall. God planted a garden eastward in Eden so that when humans entered the world, they could do it safely with an unfettered free will, able to live in a loving relationship with God. But when Adam opened the door of paradise to sin, then God drove them out as he removed Adam and Eve from the garden. God expelled them so they would not have access to the tree of life anymore. And therefore, and this is letter C, the Adamic life is a life of guilt. If you look back a couple of chapters in Romans 3, Romans chapter 3, and you look at what we saw prior to this as we have proceeded to Romans in verse 19 of chapter 3. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty. Sigmund Freud said, you are psychotic because of guilt. I will get rid of your guilt through psychoanalysis, and you will be sane. Now, we do understand he was particularly talking about... um, guilt over sex and guilt over immorality because he was just that kind of guy. But but, modern psychologists recognize that to acknowledge guilt is to admit sin. If you admit sin, then that means right and wrong. If you admit right and wrong, that means God. So they can't walk that far with Sigmund Freud anymore. And so today they say, well, you may be bipolar because of unresolved grief over shame. Get rid of your grief. By being a Buddhist, mindfulness, breathe deep, deny reality, and let it go, because that is the best a lost man can do on a good day. But if you do that, you'll be sane. And the fact of the matter is, this is the fourth thing, letter D, the Adamic life is a life of judgment. So you can do whatever you want to do, not admitting that you have the guilt that you actually have. Judgment will still come, verse 16, for the judgment was by one man, Adam, to condemnation. Every person born is born in Adam and sits under the sentence of Adam's judgment. In Adam we all face an inevitable and final judgment of God, which is why death is such a terror to us. So the fifth controlling condition of your life without Christ... This is letter E, is the Adamic life is a life of condemnation. Once judged, then condemned. Look at verse 16. Therefore, as by the offense of one man, one, one man, Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. The person who remains in Adam sits under the same condemnation. Adam received death for his sin. And this death comes regardless whether you sin, just like Adam did or not. So what does Jesus say about all this? We need to take a break. Where's Jesus at in all this? Well, look again, John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth, is, believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. In Adam, you cannot possibly have a relationship with the holy God or do anything to bring him glory. That doesn't mean you may not be spiritual or at least have spiritism. There, that you may, There may be spirits that you worship or derive power from, and they may even seem to be benevolent. You can't worship the holy God. It is in your genes. It is in your nature as well as your nurture. And it is not true that by getting better education or getting a better job or getting more money, you will have a better life because plenty of smart, powerful, rich people get drunk, they on drugs, they commit suicide, and they abuse others. We stand judged and condemned in Adam and in our own personal unholiness, which proves it. So in the final analysis, the controlling condition of your life outside of Christ, and this is letter F, is the Adamic life is a life of death. Verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Death reigns over any real fulfilling spiritual life if you're not saved. Death reigns over genuine unconditional love if you're not born again. Death reigns over meaningful human relationship. Death reigns over victory and power over sin. Death reigns over purpose in this life. Death reigns over a relationship with God. Death reigns over having any spiritual power or authority. So since there is a loving, righteous God in control, why is there so much suffering and death in the world? The answer is to direct you to the one way of deliverance, to a way to live above the crises of life. And as a matter of fact, this is how to be superhuman in the superman Anybody want to hear this? Just wave at me this morning. Just wave at me. Okay, I'll even take paralysis as consent. Because this is how to restore your train wreck life. This is how to change tracks so that you will find there are seven other, not six, seven controlling factors for your life. First off, notice if you will, the supernatural Christian life. This is number one, brings forgiveness you no longer have to live under shame you no longer have to live under the guilt of sin now let me say this god unlocked the door and you can get out if you still stay in that unlocked room that's on you that's your free will and that's on you but you don't have to colossians 2 verse 13 and you being dead in your sins remember you get in christ well then you were in christ when he died on the cross Being dead in your sins, hath God quickened together with Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses. And now, now you can forgive others, because in Christ we stand totally forgiven by God. And you know, the reason why maybe you are carrying your bitterness and unwilling to forgive, or count yourself as being unable somehow to forgive, if you are born again, if you are saved, is simply because, you are still not accepting the forgiveness God gave you. And maybe you do on an eternal level, but you're not doing it on a life-living level, on a life-controlling level, because Ephesians 3, verse 32 tells me that you're able to be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. But if you don't live in that and walk in that, well, then maybe that's why you can't forgive them or still have the bitterness over it. And it still affects you psychologically. Your therapist might say subconsciously, no, you are still living in the sin nature. So uh, we no longer have to have this insurmountable weight of guilt and shame over our head. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it. He washed it. He washed it white as snow. So second, number two, new life in Christ invokes justification. That means you are superhuman and the superman because in Christ you are now declared righteous by God. And you're declared righteous so that as the Holy Spirit and the Word of God operate in your life and through discipleship and ministry and your interaction in the body of Christ, you can be righteous and act righteously. So verse 18 says, even so, the righteousness of one, Jesus, because of that, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. And because you are now declared righteous, now these these are the conditions able to control your life. And because you are declared righteous, number three, new life in Christ imparts righteousness. Verse 17, much more. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness avail shall reign in one, uh, shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Because we are declared righteous, we are able to reign in this life through his righteousness. And the righteousness of Christ makes us spread righteousness in an unrighteous world, spread justice in an unfair world. And this is the only answer. Sin wrecks your life. Sin ruins every relationship that it enters, and it will continue ruining it as long as you stay in the flesh, as long as you stay in sin, as long as you do not recognize your position in Christ if you are born again. Because here's our third point for study. In Adam, you are driven and dominated by sin masquerading and impersonating something subconscious so that you will not acknowledge and recognize your responsibility. And that's what that is. But life in Christ, while never perfect, we are being perfected because life in Christ is driven by his righteousness. So listen, you can become superhuman in the superman, Because, and this is number four, new life in Christ involves reconciliation. Verse 10, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In Adam, you can only stand judged and condemned, separated from God. You you actually stand as the enemy of God in this life. But if you trust Jesus then you are instantaneously, immediately saved by his death so that you can end up being saved by his life. So you can be superhuman and the superman because you're forgiven, because you're declared righteous, because you're made reconciled, and because of this, number five, new life in Christ removes the sting of death. Verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. When you are born again, you get new life, spiritual life, eternal life. Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5 tell us, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you're saved. Quickened means to be made alive from the dead. And here is what that passage means on a practical level, if I principalize it. We are Christ-like people living in Adamic bodies. Hello, somebody. But now the resurrection of your spirit by being born again assures the resurrection of your body after physical death. And in the meantime, it enables you to live an entirely new life. I mean, if there's any other answer, no other religion has found it. No other person preaches this besides people like us who understand what it means to be born again because the only God-given answer is this. Why would you not take it for yourself today? 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 8 say, Therefore we are always confident. Okay, we're talking about removing the sting of death. We are confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Well, that kind of takes the sting out of it. I mean, death reigns right now, but for the believer, that death is a release And it is a release for the redeemed race of humanity in Christ. And the good news is that this train wreck of a body that you are in will be buried because it is irretrievably broken. It can't be saved. It's got to be resurrected. But Jesus says in John 6 verse 40, and this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I mean, the last day for us is the last trump, and the last trump is either the rapture, or if you die before then, the resurrection of your body at that day. And so Jesus will return. If you've already died, he will bring your soul with him to resurrect your body out of the grave to be a new glorified body. You get a new train because in this life you chose to, to, to change tracks. You need to change tracks today so you make sure you got the right train. Because then you're not just forgiven from the penalty of sin. You're not even just given power over sin in this life. You are then free from the very presence of sin. And that means, and this is number six, new life in Christ restores all that was lost in Adam. Some years ago, a Korean cult leader by the name of Sung Myung Moon took the world by storm, Gangnam style. And, you know, his, his gimmick was kind of like the same as Nation of Islam or black Muslims who believe that uh, Master Fard Muhammad is God and Honorable Elijah Muhammad joined him in the mothership in their UFO cult and the Honorable Louis Farrakhan is the messiah. So that is what they preach every Savior's Day in Chicago. I know I've watched hours of it. But so Reverend Moon similarly declared, Adam was the first. Jesus was the second Adam, but he was the third. And being the third Adam, well, then he came to complete the work that Jesus could not finish. Now, of course, Jesus declared from the cross, it is finished. But shady spiritual shysters just like these prey on people who do not read their Bible. And this is obvious because the Bible does say Jesus is the second man in 1 Corinthians 15, 47. But then it says he was the last Adam in verse 45. The la- I mean, I mean, God shuts the door on that type of idea. He's the last Adam. Why? Because there will never be another head of the human race besides those two one men. And in the last Adam, God restores to us all that was lost in the first. Amen. So you can now be superhuman in the Superman, because number seven, and this goes way beyond new life in Christ even brings so much more than what was lost in Adam. That is why these can now be your controlling life conditions if you will consciously choose. I mean, verse 9, much more being justified. Verse 10, much more having been reconciled. Verse 15, much more of God's grace and spiritual gifts by grace. Verse 17, much more reigning in an overcoming life. Verses 20 to 21, much more grace reigning through righteous living. I mean, can you see how this is the way for you to be superhuman in the superman? Because in Jesus we gain so much more than even what was lost. Unbelievers who are still in Adam, almost all believe, and I'll say that I think that even some Christians today believe that uh, they give give up. If they give up everything from their sinful Adamic life to gain Christ's spotless righteous life, well, they have to give up too much. And the truth is, you do not give up as much as you gain or that you could ever hold on to in your brokenness. Who would not walk out of the train wreck of their life and get on the gospel train today? Who would not do that? I mean, what are you afraid of losing in that choice? Losing unconquered habits? Losing haunting memories? Losing insecurity and anxiety? Are you afraid of losing that? Losing substance abuse or self-destructive behavior. Buried bitterness and burning hostility. Consuming criticism and corrupting negativity. A trail of broken relationships. Is that what you're afraid of losing? John 12 verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. God gave Adam a garden and he turned it into garbage. But in Christ, paradise is restored to you, and your access to those abundant riches in Christ become the new controlling conditions to make you superhuman in this fallen world. 1 John chapter 5 verses 11 to 13 talk about that. I mean, especially verse 12, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. Do you, have, do you know him? Do you have him? Because knowing Jesus is by this exchange of life, your sinful rotten one for his spotless righteous one. And that brings you the enjoyment of the experience of the fullness of his life right now. So much so that if you'll look at Ephesians 6 verse 13, it tells us, That after that point, when you get saved, wherefore, because of that, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Haven't we had a few of those? And having done all, to stand. So our final point for study is this. Your new life in Christ is always opposed by Satan. But that ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Because all you have to do to be victorious is to stand. Romans 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can know you have this eternal life even before you leave here today. John three thirty six says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. How do you show God that you believe in Jesus? the answer is by calling on him Romans 10 verse 13 for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and when you receive Jesus as your savior by doing that then you are able to start following him by being discipled and you can start reigning in life through Jesus Christ every head bowed every eye closed do you want to reign in life then identify yourself with one man, either the last Adam or Jesus Christ. If you want to switch families, then pray right now. And, get, and, and then, you know, keep coming. Sign up for discipleship. Get to know your new spiritual family in Christ. Will you pray with me right now? Just say, God, I want to be born again. And I want to start reigning in Christ. I want to obey the gospel and be born again. So Jesus, I give you my life. And I'm going to ask the praise team to be coming up here because they're going to sing us out today. And you know, if you prayed that prayer, that's just the beginning of the conversation God wants to to have with you. So if you prayed like that, or if you want to be baptized or join our church, or if you want to be discipled, or you need any other spiritual help or assistance, then as soon as we get done singing, come here to the front, let us know. Or call, text, or email us. And I'll give you a copy of my book, Next Steps for New Believers.